Blog Talk Radio. Glamour, fearless, Diva Talk Radio. Hit the beat Are you ready? Because I'm ready to welcome you to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and I want to thank you for listening. Tonight, I'm going to try to help empower you to manage your diabetes with confidence, knowledge, and inspiration. My guests include the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, poet Lorraine Brooks, Mama Rosemarie, and Mamie Jackson from Los Angeles. Now, are you lost in emotion? Well, guess what? Tonight, we're talking about anger and diabetes with inspiration from that 80s supergroup, Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam with full force. You know, diabetes at times can make you angry and even resent, feel resentment because you feel like your body let you down. When you get angry, I bet you find it's difficult to manage your diabetes, manage your diet, as well as your workout schedule. And when you get angry, everything goes out the window. And add to that the fact that most of us are taught that our anger is bad, so we don't learn how to handle it or channel it constructively. Well, what can you do? That's what tonight's podcast is all about. And you know, Oprah's favorite guru, Iana Van Zandt, says, if you feel like blowing your top, if you feel like you're going to blow your top, you should ask yourself, is it worth it? Is the anger, resentment, and stress you feel... Um, in your body paying off when you find yourself fighting to get what you want so you could have it your way she says hey you should step back take a breath and ask yourself is this really worth fighting for because it's important to recognize anger especially because new research uh, suggests that frequent angry outbursts can raise your risk of heart disease which is why tonight's podcast is dedicated to help you find comfort, connection, and care if you're struggling with your emotions. And who better to help us than Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam with full force? One of the first freestyle music groups from the 1980s. Throughout tonight's podcast, we'll be playing music from Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam with full force's greatest hits album, as well as full force's latest album, With Love from Our Friends, courtesy of Sony Music. Their newest release raises awareness for mantle cell lymphoma, a rare form of cancer. Full Force member Paul Anthony was diagnosed with this disease in 2006, and because of successful bone marrow transplant, his cancer is now in remission. Now, please take a minute to support our Glamour Fearless approach to living well with diabetes and donate today at divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Let's kick things off with a power ballad from this new album called All Cried Out. Let's take a listen. Over you 
That's right, that's our Diva Inspiration for the month, Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam with Full Force. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and you're listening to Diabetes Late Night. Let's welcome my first guest. She's a poet, TV host, jewelry designer, whose name I don't mind repeating twice. I'm going to call her Lorraine Lorraine Brooks. Hello, Lorraine. Hi, Max. How are you? Lorraine, Lorraine, Lorraine. I know you're a huge freestyle fan, um, but I have to tell you, and you probably aren't. I really did enjoy listening to Lisa Lisa when I was growing up. I lived in California uh, for several years, uh, right after college, and I remember hearing uh, Lisa Lisa all the time on uh, playing out of the car radios. And, you know, uh, cars get people really angry. I know today you've been traveling, going to Cape Cod. Do you ever find yourself having a little road rage? Um, actually, I try to stay away from the people who have road rage. If I see somebody that I think is, is being road ragey, I, I let them go ahead of me. I don't want any part of it, to tell you the truth. So, yeah, because it's just the anger in general just doesn't, uh, you know, it's not good for you. We know that. But how do you deal with your anger? Because I'm sure you have at times, like I do, have these angry outbursts. Well, you know, over the years I've learned to um, to talk about things that make me angry. I didn't used to. I used to hold everything in. And, um, you know, it comes out in different ways anyway. When you hold it in, it comes out in with, to the wrong people or under the wrong circumstances or you end up saying things that you shouldn't say. So now I try to, um, if I'm angry, I try to express it in the most, um, you know, appropriate way possible and, and hope for the best. Do you ever find uh, that your anger raises or lowers your blood sugar levels? Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah, it raises it completely. And how long does it stay elevated? Have you ever... Well, (laughs) it depends on how long I stay angry. Um, uh, Hours sometimes. You know, I've had situations at work where I I got upset about something and, um, and it stayed high for the whole day, you know, and once that happens with me anyway... I have to really be careful and I have to really work towards relaxing and, you know, taking a little bit more bolus and, you know, trying to calm myself down. But, yeah, it does absolutely raise my blood sugar, which is another reason why I try to, um, you know, keep it in check. No, I I appreciate that. And also I have to just say, I have to say I'm in my favorite place, which is Cape Cod, and this always makes my blood sugar normalized because I just love it here. Well, that's great, but you know, so many people today seem angry, and I know you and I talked before the show that anger doesn't always mean violence, but I also feel like there's an opportunity tonight around being angry, and the name Full Force, the producers, kind of reminds me of some of the headlines we're seeing around domestic violence, and I know several people... Uh, several of these major athletes have, uh, you know, we've read the headlines, we've seen so much about it. You do such a powerful program on raising uh, domestic violence in the hospital setting that you work in, as well as just being such an advocate for raising awareness for it. What would you like to say about that topic? I would like to tell all the women out there that if anyone is abusing you, well, actually not women, but anybody, that if anyone is abusing you, number one, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything to make it happen. Number two, um, there are people out here who are specially trained to help and, uh, you know, to know how to advise people. And um, uh, Downstate Medical Center is one of those places where you can go and find a safe place where people know how to respond. And the other thing is uh, to break the silence. Talk about it. Tell somebody. You know, don't hold it in because um, we're only as sick as our secrets, as they say. No, I so agree with that. I, I do hope someone seeks help who might be in that kind of dangerous situation. Now, you've written a special poem for us tonight. You know, we've been talking throughout this year about different emotions, and I'm so glad we landed on this one tonight to bring awareness to it. Later on in the show, everybody, I'll be talking to Dr. Beverly S. Adler about how we're managing our emotions with diabetes, especially if we feel we're being criticized. And we even have a special guest from Los Angeles talk to us a little bit about how we feel if our body lets us down and how we could channel and move through that. But right now, Lorraine, you're going to share with us a poem around this idea of anger and diabetes. Well, thank you, Max. Um, yes, my, the, my poem for tonight is called Anger, Not Danger. Anger forms circles and drowns us in fears. 
and make something worse than it really appears. Anger is words that are hard to take back and that cause us to put others under attack. It causes confusion and goes against grain. It makes us do things that causes us pain. But anger can also be something that drives and gives us the push to make better our lives. Anger has made me take care of my needs and given me strength to accomplish hard deeds. When I am angry, I speak with more care, just to make sure that my content is clear. It isn't a bad thing, the anger we've known. It calls our attention to how much we've grown. It shouldn't be something we run away from, but just a reminder that things must be done. So use all your anger to push you along. Do difficult things that will help you be strong. Be angry at things that should make you feel better. Then use that same anger to work for the better. Be angry at hatred and people who kill and those who take children against their will. Be kind to your anger. Be kind to your soul. Your anger can move you to better control. That's it. I love it. Lorraine, I was curious our audience. I think that, I mean, I love the humor. There's a little humor in that, which I really appreciate. Do you think sometimes a little humor help, goes a long way when you're you're dealing with a frustrated moment? Absolutely. I have a friend at work, and we always say to each other, we have to have at least one good laugh every single day. And we, we promise each other that no matter what happens, uh, we're going to have one thing that we laugh at. And it really does help. It helps to not take ourselves so seriously and to, um, to you know, to remember that people are just people and um, sometimes they do things that we don't always like, but it's okay. We don't have to always, uh, you know, um, fly off the handle or, or, or say the wrong thing. We can walk away and think about it and laugh at ourselves a little bit and then come back and, and hopefully be a better person. And music as well could go a long way to kind of soothe those, that stressful moment and kind of help you relax. And guess what? Full Force considers their newest album to be a musical rebirth because everyone involved took the time to bless this project and transfer the love and energy. Our next song is Your Love Makes Me High. Let's take it. can make you have a high blood sugar too everybody that's right you're listening to diabetes late night i'm your host mr divabetic and tonight we're talking about anger and diabetes straight ahead it's time to meet one of our charlies of angels of outreach please welcome to the show dr lee dr beverly s adler from new york hi dr bev hello matt welcome and we are to the friends. show and you, we're, thank you very much. We're we're good friends now, and you can be. I like to be informal, and you can please call me Doctor Bev. All right, Doctor Bev, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, ang- anger. I'm sure you deal a lot with anger in your practice, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, a- anger is uh, w- one of the pretty common. Uh, um, uh, emotions when uh, dealing with uh, diabetes, and uh, and I have my practice is uh, is uh, focused on treating the emotional issues of uh, patients with diabetes. I see a lot of uh, anger. You do do you see more anger in type ones or type twos, or is it just across the board pretty even? I'm going to say it's uh, it's even across the board. I'm going to say. Uh, Anybody uh, who is diagnosed with diabetes has a, a, a range of emotions, lots of them negative, um, with their diagnosis and then with their lifestyle. There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, denial and there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of depression, and there is a lot of anger. Okay, well, you know, I polled some of the members of our Divabetic Facebook community and asked them to tell me what ticks them off or gets their goat about diabetes. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you their questions and let you go for it with your answers. Are you ready? Sure. 
Okay, so Sandy from Orlando wrote in, and she says she gets she's angry because she was just diagnosed with type two diabetes two months ago, and she can't get over it. What can she do? Well, I'm going to say that um, first of all, she can get over it, and so already we need to change a little bit of her thinking when she says she can't get over it. Um, two months is uh, pretty recent. And so she's still in a very early um, uh, adjustment to her diabetes. I'm going to say I would be asking her, what is it that she can't get over? Is it that she feels angry because this happened to her and um, it's unfair? Or is she angry because she has a family history and people had warned her, you know, for years and years to watch her weight, watch her exercise, and watch her diet, and now she became diabetic, and now she's angry because she's angry at herself, or is she angry at her family? There's lots of reasons that people um, have in their minds about uh, what upsets them so much about this. Is she angry because... She actually has to modify her lifestyle, and uh, lots of people are angry about that. But it's, it's, it's a very common um, reaction. She could also be feeling very alone, that people don't understand what it is to have to uh, modify her, her lifestyle, and she feels angry about that, to be odd man out. And uh, th- there are lots of ways that... Uh, one can cope with all of these issues of anger, and I, I really there's there's much more issues that may be going through other people's minds when they are initially diagnosed. So you're saying really like kind of write down a list of things, Sandy. Don't just have this one big idea. I can't get over it, but kind of write down what it is that's really making you angry, and then kind of seek out help to deal with those individual issues. You, you know, is that what you're saying, Doctor Bev, a little bit? Yes, I do think that would be a good idea. If You know, I think she needs to actually talk it through with somebody. I, I don't know that she can overcome the anger by herself, but I would say, yes, uh, she, she should just not have this generalized anger, but I would try to figure out what are the specific thoughts that are um, anger, you know, provoking her anger, and then... Um, she can work to change those thoughts along with changing her, you know, her behavior so that she's not so angry. And the most important thing is I I would want to let anybody know that anger is a common reaction. Anger is perfectly understandable to feel angry. It's, you know, it's okay. That's, That's the first thing. There's no shame in anger. So that that would be some advice. Okay. Well, you know, this reminded me of one other thing. Uh, when I was running the Divabetic Club in New York, we had a woman named Deborah who went into a hospital for surgery, and unfortunately she got out and she was fine, and then she started having issues, and she went back and she found out they left a sponge uh, inside of her, and so I'm just telling it from her side of the story. I don't know the whole story, but she had a lot of anger around this. Then when she went in and dealt with all those infections and had the sponge removed, she was put on insulin and became insulin dependent. She never, she was with us for, I'd say, about a year. She could never get over the fact that that happened to her and that's what caused her, as she thought, to have diabetes. And I know there's a lot of people out there who go through this moment when they said, how come yesterday... On October 13th, I didn't have diabetes, and now on October 14th, I have diabetes, and they can't seem to get past that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I do. It, it is a life-changing diagnosis, and again, I'm going to say you can. I, I, I don't. I, I hear what you're saying. That you know, their attitude is, I can't get past this, but. The answer is you can, but it may take a long while. And um, you can when you work on your emotions. You, you can get over it. There are 
I don't can't tell you the number of how many you know people with diabetes are diagnosed every year and you know living successfully with diabetes and every one of us had to get over the diagnosis and and turn it into something that we could uh, manage in in our lives. Okay. All right, next question. Jonathan from Mobile, Alabama says he gets angry because he thinks he's doing everything right, and then something still goes wrong. Actually, he just gained five pounds, even though he's exercising more and eating right every day. It's so frustrating. What can I do? Ah, oh, it's difficult. <laughs> I'm going to start with that. Um, I'm going to say if somebody is on insulin, typically people do gain weight on insulin. I don't know if that's what treatment he's on. But uh, that's that's pretty typical, actually, that when people start taking insulin, they, they gain between 5 and 10 pounds. Um, insulin has a way of, uh, of um, well, if you have a low, you have to treat it with food. And there's just, uh, that that's just uh, one of the uh, facts Side about you know, and, and as far as, uh, you know, um, him gaining weight, uh, you know what, uh, uh, my answer is if he, the weight is, um, I don't know if he's upset for a, a vanity reason that he feels that he looks fat or if he feels that, um, you know, it's making him his diabetes harder to manage. Um, I'm going to say uh, if it's a vanity issue, then that's that's something separate from diabetes. And uh, if he's managing his diabetes in with the five-pound gain, I would say then don't worry about the weight. You know, if you're managing Look your... Look at the bigger issue. Don't get caught up in the small stuff. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, I'm going to say... I mean, plateaus, plateaus are tough for people out there, Dr. Bev. You know, you're doing everything right, you, the weight's coming off, you're feeling really good, and then all of a sudden, boom, you get stuck, and you just don't understand why the scale doesn't budge. And, you know, there wouldn't be a show called The Biggest Loser unless people were motivated by losing weight. So every time you see the needle go down, it's kind of you're rewarded in some way. And when it's just kind of plateaus it is it is tough i would you know i I could understand people getting frustrated is it good to blow off steam in those moments is it good to do you do you encourage people to get like physical do physical activity you know when we talk about being constructive with managing our anger around a moment like that or a frustration kind of anger what do you how how could someone vent that out Okay, I'm going to answer that, but I'm just going to say this one thing about this five-pound weight gain. It is quite possible that uh, that Jonathan is working out so well that he's actually turned the fat into muscle, and muscle will weigh more than fat. So even though he might see the number going up, it might also be that he's actually more toned with muscle and uh, and he should not focus so much on that five pounds. Okay. Um, as, as far as uh, finding ways to channel your anger, healthier ways, um, walking is a, a great way to diffuse some of that energy that um, anger um, holds. And, and anger, it's a waste of your energy to hold on to that. And so a healthier way would be to, to do things like walking. It's a positive way of utilizing that energy. And I'm also going to say that a good strategy um, is sometimes helping is writing. Okay? And you can, if you don't have someone to vent to, you can, you can either vent by writing. You could keep a journal or you could just, you know, dear diary, I'm I'm fed up with my diabetes, and you know, let it out that way. Um, or sometimes writing can be used as a distraction, so that when you're you, you stop thinking about the thing that makes you angry, and you write on uh, something else. Okay, and if if you don't mind, I'm going to read to you from my book, My Sweet Life: Successful Women with Diabetes. Just the very, very last 
paragraph from a chapter called From Anger to Acceptance. And this author wrote, In recent months, I have revisited an interest I had years ago. I have begun to write again. I write poetry, prose, and short stories, and I have even begun to work on my autobiography, Sweet Lorraine. I find that writing is not only fun and interesting, but it is also therapeutic. I'm proud to have my poem, entitled My Sweet Life, serve as the prologue to this book. And that is none other than our Lorraine Brooks. I know, I love it. I love it. And she talked at length about it before the podcast with me, about how much writing really has become therapeutic and a part of her life. And obviously, our listeners feel so grateful to have her sharing all of that every month with us. Okay, our final question, Dr. Bev. Louise from Toledo, Ohio, says she's angry because diabetes is a daily grind, and she feels she deserves a break. Wow, I I bet a lot of people feel that way. (laughs) What can she do? I'm with her on that. I bet a lot of people want to take a break, Dr. Bev. Well, (laughs) um, I'm going to say that... uh, um you it's it's a matter of how you think about it okay and if you if you understand that um uh taking a break is very difficult because this is a uh you know 24/7 365 uh you know illness to to cope with but um i i know that uh some of the things that frustrate people and make them angry have to do with their families and how they're treated the diabetes police make uh you know make it more difficult you yourself have your own issues about i'd like a break and then you have the diabetes police um who are just always uh you know watching and critical and um you know uh I think one of the important things to to understand when you're living with diabetes is how to be assertive in a very positive way. Anger is not being assertive. Anger is being aggressive. And I'm also going to repeat what you said earlier, that anger does not give anybody the right to be violent or abusive to others. And people can be angry at their diabetes but they don't know where to vent that anger, and so they may vent it on people around them and people who who are actually trying to help them. Although the diabetes police end up being a little too helpful. And um, so I'm gonna say assertiveness is is important um, to be able to um, express what it is that you need or want from somebody. And it's important for the diabetes police, i.e. family, friends, to listen more and talk less, to read more, assume less, ask for how you can help rather than telling what you think needs to be done. Well, I want to flip the script on that for a minute because I feel like sometimes – I understand the concept of the diabetes police, don't get me wrong, but I also understand the frustration and the anger from the caregiver who is trying to help someone do right, and they continually don't, and they're defensive, and they just, they're stubborn, and they won't go along with it. And I'm sure it affects not only their relationship with their partner, it just reflects, it reflects, it affects so much of their lives, and that caregiver really gets angry and frustrated as well. So, I mean, I understand what you're saying about they should listen and not try to point the finger, but I also feel like there's some caregivers out there who really are trying to do right by their by their friends and loved ones, and they feel they're getting frustrated because those, some of these people will not listen. They feel like, you know, we always talk about, uh, we've talked about depression before, and you've mentioned the concept of diabetes distress, and I, I, I'm just curious, like, what do you say to that caregiver who's just getting so angry and frustrated, you know, that they, they're trying to help as much as they can. The wife is trying to help the husband, and he just won't listen. He won't, he won't you know, he just will not um, go along with the plan. 
and I'm, you know, I'm hypothesizing, but I have heard these conversations. I'm sure you have as well. I, I certainly have, and um, I am sorry to say, but I am going to. This is going to surprise you. I am really going to empower the person with diabetes. If they don't want to cooperate, you cannot force somebody to cooperate. It's going to frustrate the heck out of the family or friends, okay, when they see uh, a person with diabetes basically self-destruct, make terrible decisions. You can only stand there and be supportive. You can't force somebody to um, treat themselves better in, in, and respect themselves and respect their, their illness. And um, I, I do talk to a lot of uh, partners of uh, people with diabetes, and their frustration level is just through the roof. But you can't, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And, so you're uh, saying they should detach from that a little bit? You, it, it, it's going to upset the, them, the, 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 the friends and family, and I, I do think that they just need to step back. I really do. It, it doesn't mean that they don't care. They've done as much as they can, and it has to be the person with diabetes who is going to step up to the plate. You, you just can't do it for somebody else. As much as you want it to be, it cannot be. It just seems very, I mean, that would be just so devastating to watch um, it is. a loved one go through deeper and deeper it complications is. because of that. And, I mean, I, I think that's good advice. I just think it would probably be very difficult um, for someone to, you know, to go along with that. I think everyone's, you know, wants to do right by people so much. And when they feel like they're not listening and they're not, like you said, not, you know, a little bit stubborn on it, it it's got to be difficult. But... Dr. Bev, as always, I love uh, getting your advice, love having your inspiration on the show, and definitely love your encouragement. And make sure, uh, everybody, you pick up a copy of My Sweet Life. It's stories of successful men and women. And guess what, Dr. Bev? You're going to come back because have got some games to play a little bit later on. But first, Dr. Bev, I'm Thank sure you. you'd love to tell your patients music is a healer. So our next musical selection features not only Faith Evans, Sheila E., and the God, Good Choir, and Children, Let's take a listen, listen to this gospel and inspirational radio hit. I feel good, I look good, I'm God good. Because I feel good, I look good, I'm God good. It's the God good remix. Y'all ready? I love it. You're listening to Diabetes Late Night, and I was just raising the roof uh, to that song by Full Force. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek, and tonight we're talking about anger and diabetes, and I'm happy, not angry, to welcome my real-life diva from Los Angeles, Mamie Jackson, to the show. Hello, Mamie. Hello, 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 hello. It, it never rains in California, does it? Rarely, and we really could use some right about now. It has been scorching. I'm dying of thirst out here, I tell you. It's been really hot, I tell you. Does the heat make you angry? Mm, I guess some people it does when you're stuck in traffic for two hours going and coming to work each way, your air condition breaks down. Yeah, that would make anybody pretty angry. But fortunately, I don't have to do that anymore. You don't, have to, but you don't sit in traffic that much anymore. No way, Jose. I'm sorry. I gave that up a long time ago because I did it for many, many years. And it, it does make you angry. Yeah. All right. Well, let's tell tell us a little bit about your story with our listeners. We talked earlier, but I'd love I'd love for our listeners to get a, hear a little bit more about your health and your wealth and everything going on in your life. Okay. Um, my name is Mamie Viola Jackson. Um, I'm originally from Mobile, Alabama. And I left Mobile, Alabama at 16, went off to college, never looked back. Uh, so I studied at several universities, had several degrees. Uh, my first love has always been music. And if I had, had not been obedient to my mom, I'd probably be in the music industry today, probably choreographing records and writing music and in a band. 
But she says, no, that's not what nice girls do. They go to school, they get a good education, and they have a career. They get married and have kids, and they live a good, healthy, normal life. And I love my music. I still am attached to it, but I think I did what she wanted me to do. I went off to college and became a career young woman, and I still live a pretty, try to live a pretty healthy life today. And um, I've lived with chronic diseases, kidney disease, diabetes, high blood pressure. And at one time, I weighed 360 pounds for 50 years. Uh, ever since uh, I can remember, I've suffered with chronic diseases, high blood pressure, kidney disease, like I mentioned, diabetes, high blood pressure. And at one time, uh, I weighed about 360 pounds, and that was because of anti-immune drugs when I got my first kidney transplant in 96. And I'm working on my second kidney transplant with Cedar Sinai Medical Center, so I'm looking forward to that. My second time on dialysis, and it's been a little over six years. I'm on uh, dialysis about 21 hours a week right now. So uh, prior to having to retire in the early 80s, I was a university professor where I taught business and English, and I had my own management consulting business. So I really enjoyed working with students and teaching and training and even today, I still work with a lot of university interns and the nonprofit corporation that I'm, I manage. I'm the president and CEO of National Organization for Renal Disease. And we've been in business for the past 16 years, serving multiracial and multicultural high-risk adults with um, health, affordable health care screenings and health education for kidney disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, uh, organ and tissue donation, and, of course, um, chiropractor help because you got to have some, some body work in order to keep that stress down because everybody needs a little pampering every now and then. So we have chiropractors serve with us as well. So it's been, a, it's been a real interesting bumpy ride with a little fun thrown in between. Well, thank you for sharing. I'm glad you're here to kind of tell us more about it. So I want to back up for a minute. You had diabetes, you had high blood pressure, and then your kidneys started failing. failing. Did you go on dialysis before you had the transplant? Oh, absolutely. I was on dialysis for So what is for about, that experience? People always want to know what that's about. Can you explain just what dialysis is like? Oh, absolutely. Um, personally, I have done every kidney replacement therapy there is. I've done the peritoneal, CAPD, CAPD. Um, I've done hemodialysis. I've done dialysis at home. I've done in-center. So I've had every dialysis treatment modality there is today. And the thing I hated the most was being on hemodialysis because you have to uh, have uh, access put in, surgical access put in your stomach, your groin, or your neck area to be dialyzed. And you have an arterial, and um, I forgot the other artery, but each artery, one goes one way, one goes the other, so you can dialyze. And unfortunately, I have never had good veins because I've been in and out of the hospital most of my life. I've had 137 surgical procedures starting as a child, about 10 years old, so my veins are kind of bad. So I have my dialysis access actually in my neck, and it actually goes down into my heart, which is kind of unsafe, but I had to be dialyzed, so that's the way I'm dialyzed. Most people have an access in their arm, a groin, a stomach, one of the areas that are easier to access. With me, it's a little bit different, so... Dialysis is a very tedious um, procedure. Uh, usually when people are dialyzed, uh, they're very weak. When they get off dialysis, it takes you about a day to recuperate. But it's very difficult to have a normal life and do the things that you normally would like to do, activities, exercise. Sometimes just hanging out with your friend, you're just too tired to do that as well. And what you have to do is make adjustments. And you have the option of having the best dialysis treatment that works for you. I tried them all, and I finally had to end up with hemodialysis because um, I couldn't do peritoneal anymore because I had peritonitis, which compromised my stomach, so I couldn't use that anymore. And I couldn't do um, uh, home dialysis because you have to have at least two people to dialyze you at home. You can't do it by yourself if you're doing hemo at home. So I've tried everything, and I had to go back into in-center. Uh, it's a life-saving treatment. Um, it's a kidney replacement therapy. That's what it's called today. But uh, it only cleans the toxins and waste from your body, including fluids, about 10%. So what dialysis essentially does is keep you alive, pretty much. 
keeps you alive. All right, so now with all this going on, you had to have moments of anger against your body, did you not? I mean, were you in this whole process of this has been going on your whole life? Yeah. Were you ever angry? Oh, yes. Are you kidding me? I was angry with myself, angry with my body, angry with God, just angry with everybody. I mean, I, you know... Not that I was blaming everybody, but I was just angry because why me? Why is this why is this happening to me? You know, I'm a decent human being. I treat everybody with respect. I've been a volunteer all my life. I love children. I love animals, you know. And it, I just felt like it was unfair for it to be happening to me at such a young age, especially when I've tried all my life to do what the doctor tells me. I'm very compliant. I took my medications like they told me to. I later found out in life that a lot of the medications that I was taking were very strong and that it was helping to uh, reduce the function of my kidney. But I'm sure at the time when the physicians were giving me all of these drugs to try to maintain my blood pressure, uh, that they didn't know that it was destroying my kidneys at the same time. That's something that they found out and I found out much later. So people make mistakes. You can't blame everybody for every mistake. Nobody's perfect. Doctors are practicing medicine. They're not perfect. So you have to come to a conclusion that they did the best they can with the information that they had at the time. So I was still angry, but I realized that I would had to make some adjustments in life. Anger is your emotion. And just because you're angry doesn't mean anybody cares about it. So you can Was there a specific the moment that you really decided that I gotta take, I gotta change this now and start? Absolutely. You said you mentioned Absolutely. losing the weight. Was that like a big? When you made that decision to lose the weight, was that the turning point? I'm just curious because I know a lot of our listeners are going through the same thing. They're hearing your story. They identify what, what, what you're saying, Mamie. I'm just curious because I know a lot of people yeah. want to say, why me? Why me? We heard it earlier oh, in the conversations yeah. I was having with Dr. Bev. What do you yeah. say to that? I mean, what was the turning point for you? I'm going to tell you exactly what the turning point for me I have always known that this is going to be my path. I was always going to be a sickly child grow to be a sickly adult, and I had to adjust to that lifestyle and still try to maintain a high quality of life. After I got my first kidney transplant in 1996, I was really doing great. I hit the floor running in 1998 is when I started a nonprofit corporation, and I never looked back. I work in it seven days a week. But the thing that got my attention, I am so blessed to have some extremely good doctors to just give it to me straight. I mean, they don't sugarcoat it. And when I got so fat uh, from the anti-immune drugs and the steroids, the Medrol, because that's an anti-immune drug that they really used a lot, uh, you know, in the early 80s or beyond that to keep you rejecting your transplanted organ. I put on 60 pounds in one year, and every year it seemed like I gained 60 pounds. And before I knew it, I was almost 400 pounds. And uh, the doctor wow. looked at me. My transplant surgeon looked at me one day, and he put his hands on his hip, and he stepped back. And he said, Mamie, I think you are a wonderful woman. I think what you do with the organization is phenomenal. I think you're amazing. I go, oh, I'm not all of that. I'm just working hard like everybody else, trying to save lives so people don't end up like me. He said, but I tell you something. I'll give you six months to a year. You'll be dead from a heart attack or a stroke, and you won't be able to help anybody. You'll just be dead. And he said, it's too, it's too bad, and it's really a shame that you have all this knowledge and skill that you don't know how to save yourself, but you have the time to try to save everybody else. And I tell you, Max, it's like he kicked me in the stomach when he said that to me. I was hurt and insulted at the same time. And he said, you'll just be dead. And I go, oh, my gosh, don't play with me like that. Don't talk to me like that. He said, somebody has to tell you the truth. You're not going to make it. you just be dead. And I said, what can I do? I'm hungry all the time. I'm always dieting. I only eat one meal a day, and I was starving myself, but I wasn't losing any weight. As a matter of fact, I was gaining weight. And what he told me to do, go see my dietitian. We're not going to put you on a diet. Diet doesn't work because I had already tried every diet on the, in the, on the market anyway. Atkins, fat diet, grapefruit diet, carb diet, low-carb diet. I mean, I had tried everything, and I, I couldn't lose any weight because I was diabetic too shooting insulin, and it's very hard to maintain weight when you're shooting insulin. Everybody knows that. But what I did was, the dietitian told me this. I'm not going to put you on a diet because you're going to know what to do when I tell you. I want you to eat four or five meals a day. 
small meals. Cut back on the carbs, sugar, salt, fat. And eat four or five meals a day, six if you need to. Make sure they're healthy. And do that. And I guarantee you, in a month, you'll be on loss of weight. I lost 20 pounds in four weeks, and I never looked back. I didn't think I could do it. I was never hungry. And I go, what happened? She said, your body burned its own fat, and it upped your metabolism. And that's how you were able to constantly lose the weight. I lost 185 pounds in 14 months by just changing my diet, eating smaller meals, healthier meals. So I follow the 80-20 rule now. 80% of the time, if you eat healthy, fruits, vegetables, lean protein, balance it out with grains, 20% of the time, you can eat a little bit of anything you like in, in moderation. But it's all about portion control, and it's all about eating every every four hours, every well, five and hours. Well, and I love it, and I also think it's about attitude. So I want to bring Dr. Bev in before we, play, before we play our first game, because you just mentioned about the tough love concept with our healthcare yeah. professionals and how it kind yeah. of sparked the interest to change. I'm curious to know yeah. what uh, Dr. Bev thinks of tough love. Dr. Bev? I am going to say the most crucial word in tough love is love, <laughs> okay? Yes. No matter how tough it is, it's really meant as a very loving uh, approach, although to the person receiving this, it does not feel loving. It feels tough. But yes. I'm going to say that uh, uh, honesty, if you really don't want to hear it, is uh, is very difficult to uh Accept, but yeah. if you can step back from just the emotion and actually listen, like uh, Mamie did, she did a wonderful job, and she had a really, she had a really uh, direct doctor who was really concerned about her. I, I think, uh, I think she should certainly be applauded for a 185-pound weight loss. That's just incredible. Well, I, I, I'm, you know, the thing about it, Doctor Beth, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's that. I was never hungry. That's the thing. I didn't want to be hungry because I knew what it felt like to be hungry. My stomach would be hurt, and I have stomach issues anyway. And I just thought, I don't want to be hungry. It's miserable to be hungry. I'm hungry all the time. And, and, you know, he said, you won't be hungry. And he was right. Well, that's great. All right. So I'm hungry to play a game, everybody. (laughs) So here we go. We're going to play our first game right after we listen to another song by Diva Inspiration, Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam with Full Force. I bet you didn't know, Dr. Bev and Mamie, that Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam are the pioneers of the emergence of Latino artists in the English language market. Yes, that's right. This song, Let the Beat Hit, um, is a hot tune. Let's hear it right now. Let's take a listen. Look at Time Machine, are you ready? Because you're going to try to put these three milestones from the 1950s in the correct oh. chronological order, starting with what you think happened first, and then Dr. Bev will be your phone friend if you need one. All right, are you ready? Okay, okay, okay. Here are your th- right. Listen to your three milestones, and then you're going to try to put them in the correct order. Okay. Number one, the first disposable syringes were patented in. The second one, the first successful kidney transplant occurs. And the third one, test tape, which is a roll of indicator paper used to testing used for testing blood glucose levels in urine is sold. Tell me what the order of those three milestones are from the 1950s in our Diabetes Time Machine Challenge tonight. Oh. I have to bed. I kind of think it, but I don't want to guess. Oh, give us a guess. Okay. The first one was the syringe. I'm going to say the syringe probably came first. Okay. And then uh, second, the test strip. Uh Uh-huh. And third, third, the kidney, because I don't think they started doing successful kidney transplants 
until maybe the early 70s, maybe late 60s, early 70s. Because my fiance had a kidney transplant back in the early 70s, and they were fairly new in Chicago. Okay, so that's your final answer, so I'm just going to tell you right now that... You got oh, all, <laughs> you got all, all three wrong. wrong. <laughs> I'm just gonna give you one more. It's never happened, people. Let's just give her one more. Okay. All right, Doctor Bev. No, that's cold. <laughs> oh, Doctor Bev, she's phoning a friend. Do you hear the phone ringing? Because you've got to pick up and help her out here. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hi, Doctor Bev. He asked me about which came first, the friend. Yes. The test strip or the first kidney transplant? Well, I am going to help you, and I'm going to clarify a little bit, too. Okay, okay, so surprisingly for you, the first one of those things was actually the successful living-related kidney transplant. Was that in the 50s? I thought that was in the 60s. It was in 1954. That's the transplant was led by Dr. Joseph Murray and Dr. David Hume at Brigham Hospital in Boston, and a kidney that. was transplanted from Ronald Herrick into his identical twin. So twin. Sure. Yeah, I remember that. I just didn't okay, know that. Okay, that goes yeah. all the way back, 1954. That's, well, that's actually when I was 60 born, years I was ago. My, yep. That was, that's 60 years ago. I'm 60 years old, August 9th, and I was barely a little egg. Ha, you are just if you did not know it. And the <laughs> second thing that um, I, I just want to add a, a specific word, which is disposable syringes, which is okay. what Max asked about, the, the okay. um, disposable syringes, because there were syringes obviously used before then, but the first disposable ri- syringes were patented in 1956 okay. in New Zealand. That's and why I thought it was old. Mm-hmm. The most recent of all those things, it's not that recent, is test tape, which um, came on the market in 1958. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I actually used, not in 1958, but it, <laughs> when I was first, <laughs> I like, in 1975, that was what I used to, um, to uh, it, it was used so that it could measure how much sugar was spilling over into the urine. It didn't actually right. measure blood sugar. It, blood it sugar. measured sugar that spilled into the urine. So that, yeah. was a, like, that was a delayed response then, right, Dr. Bev? I mean, if you were treating off of the, the sugar that spilled into the urine, that was pretty, you know, that, was, that's not like today, correct? No, it was really useless, I'm just going to say, because really? you're were a, a reservoir of holding, you know, urine. And so you could be t- testing after having not voided for four hours, five hours, who knows how long. Oh, and it was, it was definitely, uh, it, it did not give really helpful information. Okay. And then, well, and then just walk us through going forward. So then you, we, we went from testing... Uh, the sugar in the urine, and it, it suddenly started advancing pretty quickly, right? Because from the that kind of went on from the 50s until about the late 70s when we started to see these first blood glucose monitors, correct? Yes, the, the, and they were very, very large, those first glucose meters. But uh, they've, they've pared down in size. And, Tremendously. Um, yes, glucose uh, meters... You know, we're familiar with those that they now use the the finger stick. There's also options for alternate sites um, for your forearm or your the palm of your hand. Yeah, There's also now the continuous glucose monitor where it you can attach it generally, I guess, in the stomach yeah. and um, um, get a. Yeah. get a, a, a very regular reading. I'm not sure if it's every one minute or every five minutes. I don't use that. Mm-hmm. And um, and actually the newest thing that I have heard about for years and years and years, which uh, I think they're still working on, is so that you don't actually have to, um, uh, you know, poke your finger and you don't actually have to bleed. The The newest thing that they're working on is using infrared light 
and they, um, they, you would have a beam of light that shines onto the skin, whether it's the finger or the forearm, and uh, they can, that process will be able to um, identify blood sugar. We're still that, a ways away from that. That would be so terrific. Well, guess what? Everyone so walks cool. away a, a winner tonight, Mamie. For getting all okay. three wrong, I'm going to call you a winner. And for playing our timeline challenge tonight and helping us raise awareness in a fun new way, you're getting a new Naturals gift basket filled with di- diabetic-safe, low-glycemic, yeah. tooth-friendly sweeteners, a cabbage cheese gift basket, uh, uh, presents from Dr. Greenfield's diabetes products, which are specifically oh, designed no. for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin, and a free book from Spry Publishing, the premier publisher of health books and media, which features books from AADE Educators of the Year, like Susan Weiner, who's been on the show before, as well as superstars from the diabetes online community, such as Carrie Spalling. What do you think of your prizes? I am just, I, I'm, I'm speechless. Thank you so Don't we all much. love that to glam more fearless, everybody? You could be a contestant. You just have to email me at mrdivabedic at gmail.com. And guess what, everybody? It's time to meet. Oh, before we do that, I think we should get a little more freestyle going on here because freestyle is a musical style that took the world by storm in the 1980s. So before I introduce my final guest of the night, I've got a little bit more help from Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam with Full Force. Let's take a listen. That's true. I do love her from head to toe. Please welcome to the show, Mama Rosemary. Hi, Mama Rosemary. Hi, Nick. How are you today? We have a very exciting show tonight. I heard all, so much. Dr. Bev answered some great questions from our Divabetic Facebook community, and I, I don't know if you listened to Mamie uh, telling us a little bit about her experience, not only living with diabetes but high blood pressure, and then be, and then receiving a kidney. It was kind of I, I thought very informative, and also also very, very inspirational. Very informative. Mm-hmm. I agree, so, definitely. It was wonderful. But I'm going to give you my October tip right now, and it is to relax when you are feeling that yourself that you are getting angry. Find out what it is that triggers your anger and work to develop strategies to keep these those triggers from tipping you over the edge. It is also important to remind yourself that getting angry is not going to fix anything, that it won't make you feel better, and maybe, maybe you will even feel worse. So try simple relaxation tools like deep breathing or relaxing imagery, and this could help calm down your angry feelings. So that is my tip for the month, and I'm trying to relax myself here in Hilton Head Island. So for now, I will say ciao for now. All right, thanks, Mama Rosemary, for being a part of the show. And hey, everybody, listen, you can subscribe to the free Divabetic e-newsletter at divabetic.org and visit Divabetic's Facebook fan and group pages. Send me a message just like Sandy and uh, John and a couple and Louise earlier in the show, and we'll put you on the show. And check out all my videos on Mr. Divabetic's YouTube channel. Next month is our big diabetes makeover reunion show with the cast and crew of Divabetic Makeover. <laughs> your diabetes. In the meantime, I just want to tell you in the final moment, not all anger is misplaced. It often is a healthy, natural response to difficulties. I think sometimes our cultural belief that every problem has a a solution can actually add to some of our frustration. It's better to focus on how you handle and face the problems when you're trying to manage your diabetes as well as your emotions rather than just blowing your top. And in the meantime, if that's not working, I say, why not kick up your heels and take a spin on the dance floor to one of my favorite songs by Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam with Full Force. It's her big dance hit from the early 80s. 